Welcome to San Francisco City Insider, the San Francisco Chronicle podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and this episode will appear on our flagship podcast, Fifth and Mission 2. I'm here today with Ivy Lee. She's a legislative aide to Supervisor Norman Yee, a city college trustee, and a civil rights attorney. She has spent the past week staffing the city's emergency operations hub at Moscone Center, along with hundreds of other City Hall staff. She describes San Francisco's preparations for the expected surge in coronavirus cases and some gaps that still exist. Ivy Lee, welcome to the podcast. Hi, nice to join you. You've been staffing the city's emergency operations center at Moscone for about a week. Can you describe what it's like inside and kind of what's going on day to day? Sure. Um, It's pretty intense. You have multiple departments um, all stationed here. Um, There are several hundred folks, all city workers, that are now at the EOC. Everyone is really focused. Everyone is really trying hard to, you know, elevate the real life safety questions and and issues. Um, And just Mm trying, and everyone is just trying to work as quickly as possible to try and avoid, you know, the surge in cases and the overwhelming of the healthcare delivery system overall. And at the same time, right, like talk, you know, take care of our most vulnerable folks, our kids, trying to get meals um, to seniors who are, you know, quarantined at home. Um, so it's really, it's pretty intense. There's a lot going on every single day. Mm-hmm. How many people from the city are, would you say are working at the emergency operations center? The last number that I heard was approximately 400. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's such a huge huge space that you can all spread out and keep your distance from each other? Yes. Everyone is taking, I would say the vast majority of folks are taking um, the social distancing directive really seriously. And so workstations are spaced out so that there's a minimum of six feet um, between, you know, between each workstation and for example, in one room, the room that, that we're stationed in, you know, we actually removed um, the end table from our um, from the structure that we were using because when you pass behind the person that's working at the desk, there wasn't that six foot distance. So we we had to re- reconfigure everything. So people are taking it pretty seriously, yeah. And what has your role been at the operations center? Because I work for Supervisor Yi, um, there is a BOS a board of supervisors liaison team. And really we're trying to function to funnel, you know, the 55 members of the board of supervisors to funnel all of their questions and their concerns, their ideas, suggestions um, into one, you know, kind of nexus point so that departments are not overwhelmed with multiple supervisors and their staff all asking the same types of questions. We're also trying to issue spots because one thing that the supervisors' offices are able to do really effectively is to, you know, get information and hear from constituents right away. So, um, so for example, you know, if there's a systemic issue across several districts, you know, the supervisors' offices can actually um, identify those sooner than the city can. What are you hearing from constituents mostly? What are constituents' mo- uh, main concerns regarding the coronavirus? You know, I think there are a lot of questions about um, from everything from like what is truly considered um, an essential business. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what does that mean? Um, 
what happens as far as compliance um, or non-compliance. So that was that was one. Um, another one that I think that the mayor and all the supervisors have been trying to um, communicate about is like, why are we doing um, shelter in place? Why is it so important to be to practice um, good social distancing? You know, like this is like what? Why are we doing this? And does it really work? Does it really matter if I'm young, right, and healthy, and and you know, does this impact me? So those kinds of yeah, those kinds of questions have been coming up as well. And then also really basic ones like how do I get food? You know, or I run a boarding care facility and I can't get access to janitorial um, cleaning supplies. How, what do I do? Because I'm not a, a part of the family, uh, you know, the city family supposedly. So how do I make sure that my you know boarding care facility is taken care of and that I'm taking care of all the cleaning requirements that I want to take care of? to protect my my own clients. It sounds like people are short of supplies even within the city family. Um, the mayor just said that um, that the hospitals need 5,000 more beds and 1,500 more ventilators. So that's a, a huge concern. Yeah, yep. From your inside view in the operations center, how bad do you think this is going to get? Um, you know, I think the Department of Public Health and Dr. Colfax um, Dr. Aragon, you know, I think they are, they've all tried to really prepare the public for the fact that, you know, there is a surge of cases that is anticipated. And, you know, the best thing that folks can do right now is to try and minimize the number of people that are sick at the same time. So, right, because I think everyone understands that our healthcare system it's already taxed on a normal basis, even without this coronavirus situation. So it's really incumbent on every single person to try to do what they can to make sure that they don't get sick because that that will result in tragedy where people that should not, you know, that should be getting care um, will not be able to get it. Would you say that the city's well-prepared or not very prepared or... How are you feeling as the surge is expected kind of in any day or in the next week or so? You know, I, I think that, I think it's different, right? It's like, because we're in San Francisco, I think our standards are really, are really, really high. You know, we, ex- we expect everything, you know, that San Francisco does to be the best. You know, we, we expect everything to be the smoothest and for us to always be prepared. And, and, and I think the reality is, we're doing a lot better. We're significantly like in the vanguard of cities and counties that are addressing the situation. So, you know, we are receiving requests from other cities and other counties asking us like, how did you set this protocol up? Or what are you guys doing about this? You know? And so, so we are doing, I mean, I think San Francisco is, is doing everything that it can. Of course they're, it's not perfect, but, yeah. Yeah, but but I think, you know, the best thing that San Francisco's done is I think all of city leadership from DPH, from Department of Public Health to the board to the mayor, I mean, everyone is trying to to work together um and and to to like work on this as quickly as possible so we're not in Italy situation or New York situation. Mhm. Yeah. Are there any gaps you see in terms of our preparation, like one area that maybe isn't working as well as the others? 
Um, you know, I, I mean, I think, and this is like really my, just my personal opinion is, mm -hmm. you know, I think that there are some city departments that are typically more internally facing that don't have to really deal with the public and, you know, on a daily level. So I think for some departments, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a, an awakening moment um, to have to, to have to really change fundamentally the way that they are doing their work. Um, you know, there, for example, I'll, I'll give you a quick example. Um, Department of Public Health was providing the emergency health orders to different um, SROs, single room occupancy hotels, but they weren't actually going in and inspecting whether or not those SROs were being, you know, sanitized up to the standards provided for in that public health order. Okay, so because of the situation, they did start going into the SROs and conducting inspections, and they very quickly realized, okay, actually, you know, these bathrooms um, don't have sinks. What are we going to do about that? We actually have to address that situation. You know, and so, so there, there are a lot of changes that are being made really quickly. Um, and the best part, I think, is that there are some real significant policy changes that are taking place right now to address the situation that have long-term, that have an opportunity, right? There's a potential for those long-term policy changes to be made that would actually be, be a benefit um, to, the, to the folks that are impacted. Right. I've noticed that the city is moving so much faster than it ever does. I write a lot about how slow it is at City Hall to get almost anything done. Do you think some of this energy can be long lasting and um, be the new norm? I do. I, you wouldn't want to operate at this pace all the time. But <laughs> do you think there's anything that can carry over after the virus is gone? Absolutely. I mean, I, I see city departments working closely together here that never used to have as much inter interaction. You know, so so the the city departments are are pretty amazing. They have all, so many of the staff have stepped up, and and you can see they're they're really like they they're really working together well, mm -hmm. um, in a way that I, I haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm Heather Knight, and I'll be right back with Ivy Lee. Our city workers handling the really long emotional days. Almost any time I talk to anyone in city government, they're describing 15-hour, 16-hour work days every day. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing in terms of how people are holding up? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I think I think folks in any kind of crisis situation, when the stress is a lot, that it's really, really important for folks to actually take the time to to take care of themselves, like eat well. Mm -hmm you know, get their steps in, even if they're, they're, you know, working. Um, like right now I'm trying to walk back and forth just to get my steps in while I'm talking to you. Um, <laughs> wow. That is good. Multitasking. <laughs> multitasking. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I think it's stressful. It's really stressful and really emotional too. Yeah. And emotional because you know, you can envision the people that are going to be hurt if you don't mm -hmm. get this done you know, and done mm -hmm. right and done quickly um, and, and intelligently. So, you know, I think that's the hardest thing. I think one thing that I had shared with you was, you know, just hearing from a shelter director that I know personally, um, that was the moment when 
that made me break down because I could see his face, you know, like I know what he's trying to do every day for his shelter residents and not be able to just. And he was asking for more s- supplies, right? Yeah. As I remember. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And just not being able, like I wanted to like run out and see if I could buy some myself and drop them off to him. You know, it's like you're just trying to solve for, for, for every problem that's coming up. Um, that's, yeah. what's, that's what's stressful is you want to fix everything. You have all of these public servants here and everyone is trying so hard to fix and address all the questions. Yeah, yeah. So, and how much talk is there right now among city officials about handling the immediate crisis, which is the coronavirus, versus the long term? Because we know when this is resolved, that the economy is just going to be wrecked. Is there any talk about that right now, or are you trying to focus on just the public health side? Well, I mean, at the EOC, the focus is really on response, right? Because what you're talking about is like two categories of what the city needs to do. They need to focus on response and then they need to focus on recovery. And mm-hmm. right. And so for right now, the EOC is really focused on response. Um, but I think that our policymakers are, you know, are, are definitely looking at recovery. Um, and you can see already a lot of steps that policymakers are trying to to implement, right? They're trying to come up with ideas for how do we, really get our get our economy and help our small businesses stay on track how do we help workers you know so all of those all of that discussion is happening um at the same time i just think it, it's hard it's hard to do that when you don't yet know what the scope of this is going to be right yeah and how long do you have any ideas from being inside the operations center how long this you know stay at home um shelter in place order will be um, you know, Dr. Colfax just in the press conference just talked about that briefly. And I think what he said was, you know, we, we really need people to do this for a minimum of four to six weeks more. Um, you know, for, we, we haven't yet been able to see the impact of the social distancing that's been implemented, but we need everyone to really, to really keep keep on doing, you know, the social distancing, keep on trying to stay at home as much as possible mm-hmm. um, for at least the next four to six weeks, if not longer. And I know you have three kids. I have two kids. Um, how yeah. are you handling the day-to-day <laughs> with them off of school? Yeah. That's a whole other kettle of fish. Yeah. No, they're, they're doing great. And they, you know, but we're, we're so lucky because like we are in a single family home, you know, like my kids are mm-hmm. 12, 14 and 16 now. So they're self-sufficient. I can leave them like just, just today I left them a casserole for lunch. And then, you know, they just called me and asked me how to heat it up. And they were able to, <laughs> they were able to do that um, without me being there. But no, it's, it's, it's stressful because you're also wondering like, what, what is this going to do to them, you know, long term? Right. Like, what is yeah. the impact that this will have? And I think that we're, we keep trying to look at the, the positives, right? Like, from this, mm-hmm. they are going to learn what it means to be there for other people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your husband, Victor Huang, is a superior court judge. What is life like for him these days in terms of court business? <laughs> um, well, he's right now, he's doing the rotation at family court. So, he is still busy. I mean, because, you know, while San Francisco Superior Court has 
and you know that you saw the California Supreme Court um, just said no jury trials for 60 days, but family court has to continue, right? Child custody, child visitation, domestic violence restraining orders, those have to be open for business because that's right. That's the welfare of our of our kids and our and our survivors. Um, so he's still going to court. He still is hearing cases, um, but he's also lucky. I mean, he sits pretty far away from other folks and it's really the staff. I mean, the clerks, mm-hmm. the bailiffs, right? The, the, the court staff, um, all the clerks, it's, they're really, a, they, all of these workers are so amazing. It's, they, they deserve a lot of respect. Yes, for sure. There's a lot of people stepping up, yeah, rising to the challenge. Yeah. Well, great. These are the, that's the end of the serious questions. And I think people are in the mood for a smile too. So I thought we would do the lightning round if that's okay with you. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? Oh, favorite place since uh, anywhere in the mission, actually. Yeah. Yeah. What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Oh, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I know these are the hard questions. (laughs) I haven't seen a movie in so long. Gosh, it's hard for me to to answer that one. Keep going. Okay. Uh, Back when bars were open, where was your favorite place to get a stiff drink? Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, no, I think that would be at my friend's house, Jane Kim's house. She's always, yeah. she has, what does Jane make? She, Jane, Jane has the best scotch and the best whiskey. So <laughs> whiskey meat is perfect. Nice. Um, do you remember what was your first concert? Oh, my first concert. Um, I think for me, it was The Cure. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And what was the last book you read? The Road, Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> okay. That sounds kind of depressing. <laughs> Yeah, but it's a great book. It's a great book. Okay. Yeah. And you live in the quiet District 7, which is west of Twin Peaks. Uh Uh-huh. What's something about your district most San Franciscans don't know? Oh, I mean, I think that, I think most folks don't know about all the hidden trails um, that exist in District 7. So, like, for example, there's the the trail that goes behind Laguna Honda Reservoir, Um, you know, all the little secret staircases. It's really lovely. And it's, yeah, I think that's a, a secret treasure um, on the West side. Well, of good thing we can still go for walks. That's under right. Orders. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, your boss, Norman Yee, will be termed out after the November election and uh-huh. you opted not to run to replace him. Yes. Are you backing anyone? And what would you look for in the next District 7 supervisor? Oh, gosh. Um, I no, you know, I'm staying out of that race. I think voters should decide on who they want um, based on, you know, the track record of the folks that, that run. Um, but, uh, you know, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for someone who isn't interested at all in a political career, but is interested in in doing the very best that they can to improve the lives of people in the district as well as the city. You know, I don't want people, I don't want someone who's there who is only going to represent District 7. I think it's this, this coronavirus situation has really shown us that, like, we are a city. These district lines, you know, are really invisible to most of us. And we, you want someone who's going to work for the best interest of everyone in this city. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And you've worked at City Hall for many years. Uh-huh. Who is your favorite all-time San Francisco politician? <laughs> Who's my favorite? I I don't really have a favorite politician. Um, I think I have a favorite public servant. Um, Who's that? Well, I, I would say Ben Rosenfeld. Mm-hmm. He's the yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, Controller. I mean, I think when I when I think of like who is a is a really selfless public servant, mm-hmm. he's he he's probably at the top of my list. Right. So, just for listeners who don't know, he's the controller. So he watches all the money, and his job is about to get a lot harder. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Last question. What is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Some kind of exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for spending time. I know you're really busy right now, but it was good to talk to you. Thank you so much. And take care of yourself, please. Take care. Thank you to Ivy Lee for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. If you want to support San Francisco City Insider and the newsroom that creates it, become a member of the San Francisco Chronicle. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash pod. I'm Heather Knight. Thanks for listening.